This is K-Pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight. And Scott Interante. And this episode is Tiffany versus Jessica. So before we dive into our discussion, I wanted to talk a little bit about this show. If you subscribe to Pop Unmuted, this is a new show in your feed. I'm excited to start this new project with Steven where we will be discussing K-pop just in the same way that we discuss other pop music on Pop Unmuted. We'll have special guests and interviews and talk about all the latest and greatest songs in K-pop. So if you want to keep listening to the show, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts at K-pop Unmuted. And if you like what you hear, feel free to leave a rating or a review. So Scott, before we get into the topic today, I know the Pop Unmuted listeners are very familiar with you, but it might be a good idea if we introduced ourselves and said a little bit about what our connection is with K-pop. Yeah, so I talk about K-pop a fairly decent amount on our regular show, but I've been listening to K-pop for maybe four or five years now, and it's sort of becomes more and more a percentage of what I listen to, where at this point it's it's pretty much all I listen to. Um, and I'm excited to have an outlet to discuss it more thoroughly with you here on the show. Definitely. I'm like you in that K-pop is by far the majority of what I listen to. I listen to a little bit of J-pop and, and J-rock too, but I'm a figure of fun around my house for how little I know about uh, regular pop music and hip-hop and rap and, and that sort of thing. But I'm looking forward to talking about K-pop with you, too. There's not a lot of opportunity here offline. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, USA. There's there's probably more K-pop-related stuff going on here than you would think, but that's still not a lot. I run K-Popularity, which is a site for K-pop fans to support and follow their favorite artists. I've also done a little bit of unsolicited PR for some K-pop groups and a J-pop group also. And in 2013, I was on Mnet America's Hashtag My K-pop reality show where they sent a group of us out to KCON in Los Angeles before it was KCON LA. KCON was just KCON and it, hmm. it was only in Los Angeles. I know you've got it up there in New York now. I'm very jealous yeah. of that, Scott. Yeah, I'm excited to go in, in just a few weeks. Right. So that's my story. The story that we're here to talk about today is Tiffany and Jessica and Girls' Generation. I wonder if you can maybe give us some background on who these singers are and where Girls' Generation comes from and sort of what is interesting about their debuts this month. Sure. Girls' Generation is probably one of the first groups that I started learning about when I got into K-pop. They debuted in 2007. They were originally a nine-member group. Their label is SM Entertainment, which was and is the largest agency slash label in the K-pop industry. I believe they were one of the first large girl groups in terms of numbers, if not the first of that kind of size. I know Super Junior had debuted a little bit before Girls' Generation had. Tiffany and Jessica, I, I don't really, I think this may be coincidence, but they are the two Americans in the group. Right. And you usually assume when there's an American in a K-pop group, they're from Los Angeles, but they both happen to be from San Francisco. Yeah, so Girls' Generation was one of the first groups I got into as well. 
So it was a pretty big deal when a few years ago, or when when was it? Just I think like, it was a little less than two years a ago. A little less than two years ago that Jessica left the group or was kicked out of the group. It's actually right. even still a right. little unclear. Yeah, and it's becoming a little more commonplace now, but at the time, for, for such a, a major group, it was a bit of a shock. Well, they had been going for so long at that point that... Right. It seemed like if a big member like that, Jessica, was really a fan favorite, if she was going to leave, like it would tear the group apart. That's not what happened. I've actually have really enjoyed the music that Girls' Generation has put out since Jessica left, which I did not expect myself to. Right. But like you said, I guess it feels much more commonplace now. You look at groups like EXO or I feel like losing a member every other week. <laughs> true, true. And EXO has soldiered on just fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how some of these other groups are going to do. Uh, 21, Kara, Miss A. Right. They look like they're in some trouble. Right. So maybe we'll start with Tiffany. Can you tell us a little bit about her role in the group and her role in maybe the subunit as well and what you sort of expected from this solo debut from her? Sure. Tiffany has always had the image of being very outgoing, friendly. In in some of her early appearances, you know, they have these little introductions that they each give to try to give you a little insight into their personality or something. And what they had her say about herself was that she sparkles like diamonds, which <laughs> I think is maybe partly a reference to her personality. It also makes it a little easier to remember that the connection to the jewelry store, I guess, Tiffany's. <laughs> uh, for those who aren't K-pop fans, that's that might help you keep them straight. She's one of the power vocalists, I would say. Right. You know, I tend to read very snarky kind of sites, so I'm not sure how widespread this is. But she's, sometimes I see criticism of her for being too maybe shouty or harsh in her singing. I think that's that's really unfair. She can pretty much sing any way you want her to. And if she's doing something on an album or performance that doesn't sound right, I think probably there's somebody else to blame for that. Right. I mean, with a nine-member group, you sort of are going to have everyone pigeonholed into their role. Right. And so I think, yeah, she she sort of gets stuck doing a lot of the bigger, beltier, showier lines in the songs. I think that that is true also of all the members of the subgroup. Is that your impression of there's right. there's a three-member subgroup of Girls' Generation, Girls' Generation, TTS, Taeyeon, Tiffany, and Seoyeon. Jessica, on the other hand, her nickname has been the Ice Princess. Right. <laughs> she has sort of an image, uh, kind of the opposite image of Tiffany. She, I think she really is more of an introvert and a little more reserved. She is not as expressive as Tiffany and some of the other members. She has a very high-pitched voice. Sometimes the criticism I hear of her is that maybe they say that she sounds nasal or also right. harsh. Uh, I guess she sings a lot with what you call head voice. Her role in the group, as far as the music or what she's known for, is doing background vocals and ad-libs. She really has a good feel for the music, and I guess also having that high range is helpful for that kind of thing. Right. I never really felt that her voice was too harsh sounding, honestly, right. until this solo debut. And, <laughs> and I think getting an entire song of that vocal timbre actually does start to sort of get a little uh, 
grating to to my ears. <laughs> That's funny because I really listened for that, and I thought that doesn't sound harsh to me at all. But I guess uh, I have a feeling we're going to disagree on a few points, perhaps this episode. I, I think on this one we will, which I think is uh, <laughs> is more interesting. Sure. So, given their roles and their sort of personalities, or what has been presented as their personalities, going into this month, it was announced that. They were both going to make solo debuts. And of course, now Jessica, she's not with SM. She's not with Girls' Generation. She's out doing her own thing. Tiffany still doing the solo debut through SM. What were your expectations of what we would hear from these two artists? Well, for Tiffany, I certainly, I mean, I felt like I had something to go on because of her Girls' Generation TTS work. I expected something Along those lines, I guess, a little more vocal fireworks and belting. And I don't know, did you think something similar or what were your thoughts about? Yeah, I I, I guess I sort of expected it like a TTS thing, something kind of upbeat and brassy, almost like an Ailey song. Right. Something a little showy like that. Look how well Tiffany can sing. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. Jessica, I wasn't as sure, you know, she has done a few solo releases songs for dramas or movies or that right. that sort of thing and those tend to be very romantic or ballads that sort of thing and i don't know that i necessarily thought that that she was going to do that kind of album but you know that certainly wouldn't be surprising with her vocal tone and and the sort of stuff that she had done for her to do sort of a romantic kind of maybe piano and acoustic guitar kind of thing right you know, now that she's on her own and she's doing things a little more independently, I was sort of hoping for something a little cooler and yeah. a little edgier and more of like a alternative sound. I mean, I think really what I got was flipped. Like if if Jessica had released I Just Want to Dance, that's sort of more in the vein of what I was hoping for. But it did not go that way. Yeah, I think Jessica definitely had more freedom probably right but she also had more to lose in a way i mean she had more reason to play it safe maybe because she's almost in a situation where her label is her new label is Coradel, which has one other artist i think and it was bought by her boyfriend right or her right. boyfriend's company so you know if she came out with something that was not well received sort of the image of Jessica and her boyfriend running off and making an album and not doing it very well, I think that that could have really hurt her. Right. Tiffany, on the other hand, she could have done something very strange and not very well received and, you know, she would have been just fine. I, think. I just want to dance the night So Tiffany released the I Just Want to Dance mini album on May 11th of this year. And the single or the title track, I Just Want to Dance, is really this sort of like 80s synth pop. I feel like when Wonder Girls released Reboot last year, we're seeing these ripple effects of other artists recreating that sound of that very highly polished sort of 80s synth heavy kind of cooler sound right. and i think that's definitely what's going on here i mean if this was recorded by wonder girls and put on that album it would fit perfectly
that's the sort of thing we got with her. It's this kind of more relaxed, cooler track as opposed to what we sort of both thought we would get from Tiffany, which is more in-your-face, brassy, look how well I can sing. This is just this very catchy dance song, which I really, really like it. I think it's great. I think it shows a different side of her, obviously. I think she looks great in the music video. I don't know. I think all around, it's successful. I mean, what you sort of want to see in a solo debut from an artist in a big group is something different, something to sort of show a different side of them than you're used to seeing within the group, something that could never work within the bigger group. And I think this checks off all of those boxes for me. Yeah, I agree that it's a good song. I really like the the vibe, the sort of laid back vibe, but it has some energy to it. Yeah. The highlight of it to me is the it's all right part. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. To me, I was a little bit disappointed in the chorus. First of all, I may, I may have been influenced by the fact that I just want to dance is kind of a generic, uh, obvious <laughs> chorus. But I guess, I mean, if we were to throw all those songs out, we might not have a lot to listen to. That's very true. But it wasn't a strong hook. I would just as soon listen to the verses as the chorus. But I did like her vocals. And in the backing vocals, you know, she let loose a little bit. So we got a little bit of that Tiffany, too. I think I could have done without the giant alien robot who, who interjected himself in there a few times, but maybe that makes it a little more club friendly. Uh, I don't know whether we would have gotten that in the 80s or not. Right, yeah. I, I guess we sort of say 80s to mean this type of 80s revivalism that we're going through, but I don't think it's very accurately 80s. It's just I'm not sure what else we call it other than just synth pop, but... I feel like we've recreated an alternate universe version of 80s music that a lot of cool indie music today exists in, but it's not the most accurate reflection of the actual 80s. So was that your favorite song on the album, or what tracks really stood out to you? That one stood out to me definitely. I also really like What Do I Do, which an English version is also included. I really like that one. It sounds a lot like an Ariana Grande song, especially like an earlier Ariana Grande. It's got a lot of similar production techniques and even her vocal style is kind of eerily similar on that one. You know, overall, I I liked the mini album. Those are definitely the standouts to me, but I think overall it's it's pretty solid. I agree. I, I don't think there's really a weak track on it. What Do I Do is definitely my favorite also i like yellow light too yeah but that's even more laid back than uh, i just want to dance i categorize it as kind of a soundtrack song you know if i had a playlist of songs that i would want to be on my soundtrack when i'm doing something <laughs> <laughs> i could see yellow light definitely being in there right. uh, maybe driving around at night uh, in the city or something like that that's a really great song and the great vocal performance on that too So there's also an English sort of remix of I Just Want to Dance, and it comes as the sort of EDM dance remix version 
but with Tiffany singing in English. And I kind of wish she just did an English version of the original because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not super crazy about this remix. I agree. Yeah. Except I, well, I agree with you on the remix. I'm not sure that an English version of I Just Want to Dance would have been better than the Korean one, though. You know, the English lyrics, I don't think add a lot to the song. Right. I just think it's got kind of a cool aesthetic musically. And I think if she had also released like a video of her doing it in English, it could actually be kind of a crossover hit. But I think maybe that's not what they were right. trying to do. Although Jessica may be a, a different story because she released a whole english language album right so maybe that's a good transition into talking about fly and with love jay yes so i feel like i kind of need to defend fly a little bit it's been very well accepted it did better than tiffany's but some of the music critics, including perhaps yourself, Mr. Interante, <laughs> were not too impressed. It's not breaking any records. They're not rewriting the curriculum at the Berklee School of Music or something in response to Fly. But <laughs> it, it's kind of a crowd pleaser, I think. Obviously, the theme of Jessica or whoever out on her own overcoming obstacles and this sort of thing is pretty predictable, but not a bad choice. And a word I've used, I've heard used to describe it a lot is uplifting. Right. It's interesting to me, I guess it's not that big an accomplishment to be able to write a song that makes you feel uplifted. It makes me think of, have you ever seen somebody take a movie and take the soundtrack away from a really intense scene? <laughs> right. And the, it's amazing the difference it makes. It's, the scene becomes totally flat and it makes you realize how much your emotions can be manipulated by certain whatever techniques it is. And this song, certainly, I mean, unless you just have your cynical glasses on or whatever, or I guess so your cynical headphones, it does give you that uplifting feel. And I think what some people have also described as a Disney kind of thing. And one thing I wanted to ask you was, what do you see them doing that creates that kind of feel in that song? Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know that I would have used this word if you didn't already bring it up, but it, since you talked about being manipulated, right. <laughs> I think that this track follows a lot of cliches of songs that are uplifting and inspirational. So you have a very standard chord progression, big sounding drums. It feels all very safe and it feels all, to me, very kind of cliche. It sonically sounds a lot like, like you were talking about, like a Disney Channel song or something along those lines. It's kind of cheesy. It's kind of rote. And I think the melody in the chorus, which has this kind of big melodic leap from a low note to a high note, and then she repeats that riff again. Kind of shows the range of her voice and it has this sort of heroic shape to it and i think that actually plays a lot into that feeling of uplifting of overcoming of something inspirational right it's very powerful melodic phrase there so when she's saying you know spread your wings and you can fly and all those sorts of things which are inherently kind of cheesy inspirational lyrics sure. but it's joined with this cliched chord progression and then this sort of heroic or sentimental melody it all kind of adds together to be this inspirational sounding track. So I'm trying to say that <laughs> in the, the least condescending way, because obviously I don't like this song as much for those reasons, but 
those reasons don't inherently make it bad. It's just maybe a taste thing. I do think what it's trying to do, it does well. You know, it's trying to be this inspirational, uplifting song. It's sort of thinly veiled her striking out on her own and believing in herself. And that's all kind of great. And I think the song does that well. It's just maybe not as interesting to me. Yeah, one thing about those Disney Channel songs is the people who make those songs know what they're doing. I mean, oh, those are well made. They may not be making the kind of songs that we want to listen to, but they, they're they making the kind of songs that they're trying to make and doing a good job. I have said many times, but I never shy away from an opportunity to say it again, Teen Beach Movie 1 and 2, some of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time. And, you know, I've been known to rock a high school musical now and again. There you go. Well, let me let me point out maybe one thing that I really like about the song and one thing that is really bad about this song. Maybe it's almost too <laughs> obvious to mention, but one thing that I thought was sort of neat that kind of snuck up on me was this sense of space and expansiveness that the song creates. And I'm, I'm sure I was probably influenced somewhat by listening to it the first time while watching the video. Right. But for example, in the chorus, there's this really deep droning bass. It creates this big sound. And then you have jessica singing way up high above that and even right. without thinking about you know that the title of the song was fly i just got this impression of her you know floating up above this huge object and I, I thought that was pretty pretty well done you definitely feel what they're going for which i think is exactly what you're talking about and you have this bass that to me it sounds like it's actually probably in octaves and there's a bass note and then like a sub bass an octave below that's almost so low that you can't hear it but you can feel it and then it's actually a pretty sparse arrangement so you do get that feeling that there's a big distance between the ground of the bass and the sort of floating melody i i definitely see that yeah All right, so what do you think my uh, least favorite part of the song is, Scott? <laughs> I'm going to assume it is the rap verse by Fabulous. <laughs> there you go. That question has the added benefit of getting you to pronounce Fabulous first. Yes. Obvi obviously, I'm not a close follower of his career. Maybe this is the best he can do. Maybe he mailed this in a little bit. I don't know, but the rap just didn't do it for me. There must be a reason that they put rap breaks in general into all these songs, but this one, did just the... Lyrics themselves, you know, the Steph Curry reference <laughs> and the AC set on 70, you're not going to lose his cool. And I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it's it's a weird choice. I don't think it's like the worst rap verse I've ever heard. Yeah. I do think that they're clearly using an American rapper and Fabulous is not at the top of that list by any stretch of the imagination, but someone who does have some sort of credibility behind them right. to try to make a crossover. I mean, like you said, she released an English version of this whole album as well. And I guess, you know, this goes along with that. He raps in English. He has some name recognition here. So maybe they're trying to do that sort of thing. I can't imagine any other reason why it's here other than it does sort of fit into the style of pseudo cheesy inspirational mid-tempo pop track right but in terms of what does it add to this song or any other song that uses a rap break like this i couldn't tell you either 
It's... Seems like it's a business calculation probably as much as anything. Right, right, right. So let me ask you the same question about this album, because the reason I, that I come out in favor of this one is because of two songs that I really love off this. Are there any songs that, that you actually thought were uh, were well done on Jessica's album? You know, I, I thought a lot of it was kind of the same. Yeah, but there were a few moments on the mini album that I thought were more interesting. In particular, Falling Crazy in Love. It's also kind of like a mid-tempo ballady thing, but I thought it was just a little more interesting. Yeah. And Love Me the Same, I thought was kind of cool too. Yeah, Love Me the Same, I really liked. It was also Crystal's favorite, by the way, if that counts okay. that's jessica's sister she apparently she lobbied for that to be the title track ah. i guess she did release a video with that too so that may count as a single right. also i liked the way that it sort of established the rhythm of the song from the start it starts out with a piano you know you can't tell what the rhythm is or what the beat is and then Jessica's vocals come in over that, and she emphasizes syllables that give you an idea of what the beat of the song is going to be. And then the drums come in and reinforce that. Now I'm interested in what you think about the other song that I really like. It's, it's the one that didn't make it onto the English language album for some reason, Dear Diary. Yeah. It's got that jazzy... At first I thought it was like a 70s keyboard and I actually went back and listened to some Captain and Tennille, if you can believe it. Oh. That was not it. I think I decided on more of a Booker T and the MGs kind of <laughs> sound. There's a lot more sort of reverb, echo, and so on. Dear Diary, I want to say I usually am not a fan of pop songs that have jazz elements in it because it usually comes across to me as just not very good jazz but <laughs> right. uh, that's a very listenable song to me i guess so it may be a little bit unfair to pose this as a jessica versus tiffany or tiffany versus jessica because i kind of doubt that they individually want to have it that way i mean these are their right. debut solo albums and i'm sure they appreciate whatever extra attention they might get from that but I don't have any reason to think that there's animosity between them. They want to battle it out, or they, they one of them wants to be uh, viewed as losing to the other one, and, <laughs> and what would otherwise be you know a career highlight, right? Right. I mean, I do think SM used the timing in their favor. You know, they chose to put Tiffany out against Jessica, and it does, from a business standpoint at least, seem like uh, we're gonna have ours go against you because we kicked you out or you left or whatever happened between the two of them. Yeah, it was very suspicious because my impression was that Taeyeon was going to have another solo release. And then as soon as Jessica announced plans to release her album, all of a sudden Tiffany is on a fast track to release a right. solo album. And I guess, you know, like you said, they're both the Americans of the group and maybe they wanted to play that against each other. I, I'm not totally sure. On the other hand, when they've been asked about the other member or former member's release, Tiffany has stayed totally away from it, and, and Jessica has been very nice about it, 
certainly said she wishes the best for Tiffany and she knows she worked hard on her album and that sort of thing. But Tiffany is just, I mean, as close as you can get to no comment on it. Right. Which I'm sure she was instructed to say. Right. But I, I do agree. It's not fair. You know, we don't need to pick a winner, although Tiffany wins. But, <laughs> but, but you know, we can certainly have both of them. If this is something that Tiffany will maybe revisit in the future, who knows with these sorts of things. Yeah, I think Tiffany's release has been a success. She's charted well. She won at least one music show. But surprisingly, or at least surprisingly to me, I know that Jessica has a huge fandom, but she has really clearly done better as far as sales and download and streaming and, and all that sort of thing. For whatever reason, she's not promoting on the music shows, so they don't have that, what would be a really dramatic head-to-head sort of competition. But by all the other measures, Jessica has won out pretty clearly. Is that what you expected, that Jessica would come out on top by those measures? You know, I guess I did because... I mean, Tiffany is great. Tiffany has a huge fan base too, but in a sense, this is just like another solo release from a Girls' Generation member, whereas Jessica, it's more of a bigger deal because this is something that clearly she'll continue to do. This is really the start of a new career, and it just sort of inherently has more weight behind it. But of course, then when the songs came out, I mean, I prefer Tiffany a lot, and I sort of thought, other people would too, but I guess, you know, it's always hard to tell how my taste lines up with the, the Korean public's right. taste. I, I do feel like in terms of English language K-pop bloggers, which is the the metric which I can most easily gauge, I do feel like most people prefer Tiffany musically than Fly from Jessica. That's definitely true. I, I'll agree with that. But, you know, I even wonder sometimes, do I love these groups because I just naturally root for underdogs, or do my tastes just not match up with uh, other K-pop fans? Well, you know, I think, like we said, there's room for both of them. Right. And similarly, there's room for fans of both of them, so... Scott, obviously we're not going to be able to talk about even all the great new K-pop releases that come out and the kind of depth that we've been talking about the songs today, but it might be a good idea if we take some time at the end of the show to maybe highlight a few of the releases that have caught our attention recently that we are not going to have a chance to talk about in depth. Absolutely. The one that really stands out to me is the new AOA album or mini album and their title track, Good Luck. I'm not 100% crazy about the title track, although I do think the chorus is really cool. I think it uses the really percussive nature of the language really well. But actually, the second song on the mini-album, 10 Seconds, which actually sounds a lot like I Just Want to Dance. It's definitely another (laughs) post-reboot song. I just think it's really great, maybe even better than I Just Want to Dance at doing this sort of 80s synth-pop thing. I always like that group. I think they do good things. I think it's cool that they are becoming bigger and bigger in the past year, so I like when they put out new stuff, and I think that this was a, a pretty solid mini-album from them. The recent release, and it's actually quite recent from a girl group that's really making a mark, I think, is Oh My Girl's Windy Day. Yeah.
That group is hard for me to figure out. They're not from a huge label. I don't know how they keep coming out with these really innovative, great songs. I mean, can you really have a brand that this is the group that just does great songs all the time? I mean, wouldn't everybody <laughs> do that? Windy Day, it really takes you on a journey from the start of the song through the end, and then it loops through a number of times, which may be one too many, but it feels like you're going into a really high-spirited chorus, and then it just keeps building and building, and you end up in a totally different place than you started, and that certainly you thought you were going. Yeah, I've loved everything they've put out. This one, like you said, it, it's still pretty recent, so I've only heard it a few times, but they're great. I'm excited that people seem to be into them and that they're doing well and that they continue to make cool, interesting music. So we'll have to keep an eye on them in the future. Absolutely. So that's our show for today. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher if you're not already subscribed. And if you get a chance to rate us, especially on iTunes, that would be very helpful too. Yeah, and you can follow the show at K-Pop Unmuted on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow me at Scott Interante on Twitter. And you can follow Steven on Twitter at Tennessee Appeal. So thank you for listening and come back for our next episode at the end of this month. Bye.